You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Amber Page, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope of the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Amber. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. We have a few special guests on the line with us this morning, but if you will, say hello to the truth seekers, and we'll introduce a few returning guests. Um, they both have been to the Mental Dialogue on the talk show on, on several occasions, but again, say hello to the truth seekers, and Amber, thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning. Good morning, Montoya. I'm happy to be here to engage in this dialogue. Uh, definitely a very, very needed dialogue as I have returning guest, LaWanda Jordan. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. You are the founder of Feet of Clay. Um, I'll let you explain what that is as you introduce yourself. Uh, we're getting introducing um, you to my co-host, Amber, and we've got a couple of special guests that you've been on the show with as well before. Um, but if you will, say hello to the truth seekers out there, Queen, and introduce yourself, get a little, give a little background, and uh, we'll introduce the next guest. Hey, this is LaWanda. I'm with Feet of Clay. Um, Feet of Clay is an organization that is for domestic violence, um, victims, survivors, those that are leaving abusive relationships. Um, And we are assisting with um, throwing events for awareness as well. Now, I love it. We will definitely get into that a little later in this particular show this morning. But without further ado, Hassan and Naila Clay, uh, thank you, King and Queen, for being with us once again. You are our go-to couple. As you're uh, always, when we need you, y'all come to the to back. Uh, uh, so thank y'all for being with us. And considering that I know you are kind of looking out for us this morning, we're actually going to do, um, and let me let LaWanna know this as well, we're going to do a commercial-free show. I think this is a very important topic. Uh, so thank you. Uh, King and Queen for being with us. Let me let the cat the back real quick before y'all say anything. This morning's discussion question is domestic violence. Should I stay or should I go? Which is a unique way to word that question. But y'all being uh, a couple's marriage counselors, if you will, it was just perfect in, uh, for this particular show that we had to have y'all. So thank y'all for, in a sense, filling in the gap. But if you will, say hello to the truth seekers and give a little more of your background, in, in particular to this discussion question, if you will. But thank y'all for being with us. Hey, good morning, man. How are y'all today? 
Uh, this is Hassan and now you is right beside him. Yeah. So as always. <laughs> okay. What? Is, yeah. What give is, a little background. Yo, yeah, yeah, no, oh, I'm sorry. Just give a little background into your count. Yeah, exactly what y'all do. Why I got y'all here for this show. Okay. <laughs> okay, but this is the Ozzy and Ruby D of counseling. We guide you to have a genius relationship with yourself so you can master all of the other relationships that matter to you the most. And what we do, we do relationships. We're known for couples counseling, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's because one, we're a couple counseling couples, and we actually be we're pretty good at. It. Try to be anyway. <laughs> and um, yeah, for, for, for the most part, yeah, for the most part, that you know, like you said, we um we deal with basically primary relationships. So um, that's the beautiful thing that we that we really even the relationship with yourself. So. I'm happy to be here this morning. I feel naive is happy to be here this morning and want to dive into your show. Now, let's do it. And let me highlight this as well, hearing Hassan and Naila, this is, again, an amazing couple doing good work. Um, let me get this out the back because we are a community club, and this show is just a, an extension of the Mental Dialogue Community Club. So, uh, LaWanda, I did let Naila know that you need to call them, so I did get that out the back. I'm sorry to get that number to you uh, earlier, but Naila said you can absolutely call us. So let's get, out, get, it out, get that out the way. But I also wanted to highlight uh, one of my listeners let me know, knowing that you guys were coming on the show today, um, that they've actually referred a, a, a couple to you just based on your appearances on this show. Again, that's what the community club, that's what we're here for. We're more than a talk show, if you will. So I just wanted to highlight that as we get into this morning's discussion question. Domestic violence, should I stay or should I go? I'm going to go back to my co-host, Amber. We always start a kind of a unique way. Again, we're doing a commercial-free show because this show is, in my opinion, too important to waste time with, in a sense, taking breaks, if you will. We definitely will, will take care of our sponsors next week. Um, it, with with that in mind, but Amber, if you will, uh, we always start a very simple way, which is your initial thought when hearing the discussion question worded the way that it was worded. Just again, the initial thought, nothing too deep. I want to get that from all of our guests. Just that initial thought when you heard it worded in that manner. What was your thought, Amber? Thank you. My first thought was, uh, oh, he's going to take this challenge again. <laughs> So that was my first thought. Then my second thought was, of course, I always reflect on my own experiences. And so I had to, you know, just think, have I been in a domestic violent relationship in the past? Mm. Um, And so it was definitely a, a, a play of reflection for me. No, I respect it. I respect it. Again, just a quick thought, and we're going to dive in deep. Um, LaWanda will do this again. As a, uh, part of the reason we're doing this show, you prompted us to do this show in the past, and we wanted to dive a little deeper and go different angles with it. So when you saw, because you didn't know how I would word the show again, you knew you were coming on the show, but when you actually saw the title, Domestic Violence, Should I Stay or Should I Go, just the first thought that came to mind, we're going deeper the rest of the show. It's that first initial thought. Well, honestly, my first initial thought was, here he goes again, um, because I feel like <laughs> I feel like when you throw out topics, you uh, 
you know, you get people to think it. Like, do I need to get on this show and cuss this man out? Um, so that's my first first initial thought when I seen the topic. Okay, before I get to Hassan and Elie's first thought, let me say my in, in in deciding to word it that way, I say I hope I don't get cussed out on this show with my first thought. <laughs> so again, not a laughing matter, but just pointing out that this is obviously an angle that a lot of people, in a sense, have not taken. But I think. Without again, without further ado, a son and I, look, y'all, being a couples counsel, I can only imagine you've seen versions of this discussion and have had to deal with, in a sense, people deciding how to move within a relationship. And so when I asked y'all once again, y'all came through, can y'all come on this show? And you heard the way that we were wording it. Um, son, Naila, whoever wants to jump in, what was the initial thought? And matter of fact, I'll let y'all go ahead and dive into it again. We, I consider y'all the experts this morning. I know we only have you for a few minutes. So you can go into your initial thought and any other thoughts that go along with that, and we'll kind of kick off on with that. I do want to share a quote um, just highlighting that, unfortunately, during this pandemic, we've seen studies showing that domestic violence has went up, but we'll get into that um, after you give us some of your thoughts surrounding this topic worded this particular way. So um, please, please jump in. My first thought was, of course, being who I am, my thinking is to answer the question. And it, that for me, that is, it depends. It depends on the situation. I need a little bit more information. It's very often people think, oh, yes, you definitely should go. And there really can be some other options. I see you want to reflect? Yeah, I, I mean, because I've, that about that from two angles, you know, domestic violence, you know, and in most instances we think um, that women are the one who's being is, is being perpetrated on, but also from an aspect the domestic violence on a man's part when the man is being, you know, abused, abused because we we work with those instances as well, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh, that thing opened up a lot of thoughts, should I stay or should I go? And again, um, what what is the circumstances, what's really happening here? Did they just get into it or is this something that's going on? I mean, even if they get into it, there's some there's some dysfunction there that needs to be tightened up, obviously. But um yeah, that 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 was a pretty, that's a pretty that's a pretty heavy Heavy statement. Well, and then the other thing is, is that we have to define domestic violence. Exactly. Because there are so many different forms of domestic violence. We automatically think of physical, but there are so many that fit underneath the umbrella. I mean, because I think, personally, I think the overall thought, not only just domestic violence, but domestic abuse. And I believe sometimes people try to make that synonymous. But I think the abuse is is actually even more tragic than just the violence itself or somebody putting hands on each other. Now, thank you for all of those thoughts. I'm going to go to you, LaWanda, again, as you're kind of the prompt for this show, if you will. Um, and, and Nyla said something that kind of struck me just as, you know, as a minute, and I'm kind of going to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you know, just that idea did that. The first thought that people would simply say is, in a sense, you, you you should just leave. 
you obviously this work being near and dear to you having you know created a whole event surrounding this issue um and if you know if you if you even want to share um obviously we're going to again get into what is it like for couples that are in a sense experiencing at least during this first hour while we have um Hassan and Naila um but with that said um if you even want to in a sense go into a little bit of your background to a certain extent but really what I um in addition to that, it's just that idea of the first thought in society is, you you know, you should just leave. And, again, this is not about having couples stay, if you will. But I also know from following your past experience, it's not always just as simple as or easy to leave, even if you know you should go. So there's a lot of places that this conversation can go, but the one that I'm going to, again, put mm-hmm. the ball in your court and you jump in. I'm sorry, who who's who's asking to be heard? Nobody. I, I, that we was actually Naila and I would sit here agreeing with what you were saying. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. I was like, okay, I got it. Okay, but yeah, with that said, Lawanda, kind of jump in because again, you do this work, and so uh, yeah, just kind of jump in where you fit in, Queen. Okay. Um, so that was a lot. Um, um, mm. a lot of information. <laughs> um, so number one, I, I. If, if it was maybe five years ago, I would have listened to this and listened to what the counselor said and completely dismissed her and was like, who in the heck is she? Um, but I will say, um, I totally agree with that. Um, so the reason that I agree is because, um, yeah, you you need to get counseling in those kind of situations because in our reality, everybody would tell you to just leave, Right. I mean, even if you're in a relationship and your husband cheated or your wife cheated, um, the first thing people think is to leave. And I think that um, I have this thing about, I I don't know how to word it specifically, but don't leave until you cannot stay anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, um, Not saying Mm -hmm. that you should take abuse. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should take abuse. What I'm saying is that there's there there's number one, you need to always get the counsel and you need to always have a third party. I, I, I definitely believe in that. Um the 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 girls that I work with, um, some of these girls um have been abused so badly that they have no functioning ability, meaning they cannot speak unless their head is completely down. Um, they can't um, just fill out a job application because they've been with this abuser for so long that he didn't even allow them to um, to even even do any kind of skills on their own. Um, and that kind of abuse, should you leave? Absolutely. In my in my opinion, um, another another side of that is. The reason why I started the Black Debonair events was because I was doing so much domestic violence, domestic violence, domestic violence, domestic violence, that it dawned on me one day. I said, I'm so busy helping the abusers. Who are helping the – I'm so busy helping the ones that are being abused. Who are helping the abusers? Who are telling these men or women that this is the way you direct your anger? This is the way that you direct your pain. This is how you deal with this situation. This is how you deal with this situation. Because what I'm saying to you is 
nine times out of ten, when I talk to these girls or when I talk to these guys and these guys that are abusers or women that are abusers, these are all underlining issues. And what I'm saying, I'm going to say this and I'm going to, I'm going to um, let you guys continue. What I'm saying by underlying issues, these, these men and women have been taught, especially men, if you, if you express your emotion, you're weak. If you cry, you're not a man. If you um, show any kind of vulnerability, you're gay. And so instead of them going, that hurt me, or that made me jealous, or that makes me feel this way, they punch a hole in the wall, or they knock out their girlfriends because that's all they've been taught because they don't know any different. And so I think that the the psychological um, growth and and I think that the 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 importance of um, acknowledgement and knowing how to deal with certain emotions can definitely help change a whole circumstance. Now, that's a lot. Let me give this quote real quick. And, again, this is just to give more context, and we'll just keep digging deeper. But we obviously have to give more context with this type of topic, especially for first-time listeners. Um, But just the idea of what's happening with the pandemic, just the fact that this has become highlighted. And it's been unfortunate that what I mentioned earlier, that we've seen an increase in domestic violence. Um, but this, but the founder and CEO of International Civil Society um, Active Networks, um, Sana Anderlin, she had this to say about these, well, again, these recent studies. She said the majority of um, men may not be perpetrators of this violence, but the majority of the perpetrators are men. Uh, we, we, ha- we have to ask why. The lockdowns and the certain uncertainty make women just as frustrated and angry as men. Why do they lash out, and what skills do they need to contain and control their anxiety, stress, emotions, and other factors that prompt violent behavior? And so while I didn't – obviously, this pandemic has obviously turned the world upside down, especially when it initially hit. Um, the sad thing I'll say – and and I want to ask Hassan and Ali this and get to Amber as well. The sad thing I'll say is when I heard that that was the case, that domestic violence had went up in the U.S., and then I did some more research and relatively worldwide, I'm sad to say that I wasn't surprised. And, and, and when I say I'm not surprised, that lets me know where we are, in my opinion, as a society with some level of acceptance of this issue, but like y'all said, it's not always as simple as just leave. And so, again, that's why we dev into it this way. But, again, y'all being a couple's counsel, I don't know if y'all have seen an increase during this time as well or had to deal with this issue more, but just your thoughts on that we've lived with this in society in a way that I, I could, I would say is relatively unhealthy, but agree that it's not as simple as just leave. Again, this show is not about staying per se, but this is a part of this discussion that people typically don't talk about, and we do these hard conversations. So, again, jump in. Talk to me about what's happening worldwide with this pandemic and more violence being part of people's quarantine, if you will, if you want to call it that. Okay. You know, because of the nature of, I'm going to use the word violence, um, 
it's because of the nature of violence, typically people who are actively experiencing or, or or perpetrating domestic violence, they don't come to counseling. You know, just because of the whole issue of of what you know, domestic violence is about power, and coming to counseling means that you are mm-hmm. in a position to be able to listen and to take some recommendations. And it doesn't mean mm. that you are powerless, but you are willing to be empowered. And so those folks typically are not going to come our way. So what we're going to see is more often levels of abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, emotional and, and, and verbal, and those things are just as traumatic. And we do have the benefit of having clients on five continents. And so when you say uh, the worldwide issues, we, we we can say that we see it on every continent. I mean, later today we mm. are doing marriage conference with um, the Nigerian community, and we can see how culturally domestic violence and abuse shows up in, in differently in each subculture and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. But in regard to the pandemic. I'm going to have something I want to reiterate, and I think this is a a refrain that we don't hear often, is that we have seen the pandemic be beneficial. We have seen Mm. people be more willing to help because of the pandemic, because resources are slammed. You know, people say, you need to go, where the hell is she going to go? Where is she going to go? Particularly during a pandemic. You act like the shelter is open. You know, and where is she going to go with her children? What's mm. going to happen with, 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 with their schooling? We have someone who, um, she went from Philadelphia to Buffalo and was staying with family in Buffalo, and the school found out through the children's IP address that they were in Buffalo. And so she had to take her tail back to Philly. Oh, wow. Exactly, and that was totally it's just a sexual abusive, a sexually abusive situation within the marriage. <laughs> this is a married couple. And so oh, here she wow. is having to go back because of education. And these are things that no one thinks about. Now, who is she going to go to in Philly? Because she had to go back quickly. What she's getting ready to do is have someone look at her computer and have her IP address. Concealed, so she can go back. back so she can go back to Buffalo. But you gotta have resources to do that. You gotta have money to do that. Right. You gotta know. You know. Pookie. You gotta know Pookie who got some IT skills. Exactly. <laughs> who can do that? So we're talking about things on that. When we say resources, we're talking about a whole different level here. Not just money. Right. And so we but we have right. seen people. During the pandemic, have have communities and family members who were a lot more merciful and gracious and extending themselves during this time and being willing to do more. We have seen people during the pandemic having to do things for family and seeing that as a way out. Like I had to go and take care of my father, and uh, I ain't coming back. No, that we says have, a lot. We've we wow. been able to see things from a different perspective. What did you say? I'm sorry. No. You see no. that? 
No, 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 that's good. That's beautiful. No, that's beautiful. I mean, well, well, beautiful to hear that from someone, again, out here helping these couples. And, and I'm processing what you're saying, and it, it sounds a little as if, you know, as without the pandemic, as we were caught up in our world, in our own worlds, in a sense, we, 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 in a sense, tend to let people be, even though we may, you know, within the family or, or down the street, be a little aware of things are not okay over there, but we kind of stay in our own world. And it sounds like that you've seen, in a sense, family maybe extend themselves a little more, knowing that there's more of an issue and having to pay attention more to family. So that's definitely a unique perspective. Uh, Amber, if you will, well, and, you just and, mentioned briefly. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Asan. Please, go ahead. Now, and, and, and part of this thing, too, is I want people to understand, too, the pandemic is, is the reason why this stuff is going on. More likely, chances are, chances are, 8 out of 10, I won't say 9 out of 10, the 99.9, you know, out of 100. But I'm going to just say 8 out of 10. There was some type of abuse, abuse going on in a relationship anyway. It just get highlighted now because people had to be around each other a lot more than it was before. There was some type of abuse going on in the relationship. No, it makes so sense. Just um, and, oh, I'm sorry. Just because somebody's now in a pandemic, all of a sudden they just start becoming an abuser. Uh, abuse was taking place long before Corona or COVID took place. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Amber, if you will, Queen, you just meet, briefly mentioned in your first thoughts this morning the idea of even reflecting. I don't know if you want to go into that again, just um, but if you will, just any thoughts about having to reflect on this situation. Again, we want to give full context, um, but I think we're already hearing that this is a lot deeper than, in my opinion, a typical conversation about domestic violence and all that goes into it, but any thoughts uh, from you from what you've heard or any ideas of, you know, in a sense about that reflection, if you will, Queen? Oh, yeah, that that was heavy. Um, I, the first thing that came to mind is, um, you know, we don't go to seek treatment when we're in the thick of it mm-hmm. or the heat of a domestic violence situation. Um, and those are the, the times when, you know, the pain continues. Um, so I think it says something to say, you know, we can treat the abuse, but then what about the abuser? Because there's obviously some pain there um, that, you know, requires counseling requires the vulnerability. Um, so those are the, the points that I heard um, listening. Um, and then also, you know, just the idea that it does look, look different, you know, for each, you know, whether you're in, in the, you know, North America, whether you're in Africa, it does look different because the pain sometimes looks different. It's different because of, you know, cultural differences for sure, but, you know, upbringing and things of that nature. Um, and so when you, when I think about, you know, men having to always have this um, position of not being able to show vulnerability, um, that's painful in itself. You know, but then to add on top of it, 
financial woes or family woes or feeling inadequate or um, all of those other things on top of not being able to be vulnerable to say this hurts or um, I'm angry. Um, those are, are are definitely the things that are the um, points that stuck out for me. Um, no, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So oh, finish your thought. Say, let me ask you a question here. Let me ask you this question here. You are a sister? To me? Yeah. Am I okay? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. You just check it on. She got a cool laid back demeanor, but she get to it though, King. Now you just oh, yeah. check it on. Y'all respect that. See that? See that's that natural. That's that natural protect, protection. Her son don't care that we on a natural show right now. He like, hey, is that sister hurting over there? Let me check on her live I'm, on I'm air. Forget, no. Yeah, forget the Thank fact you. that we live on air. He just didn't know you cool, calm, and collective like that, Amber. That's all that oh, is. Yes, but I always. It. I love it. You know. Yeah. If any brother out there want to know what protection looks like, that's what it looked like. Stand up at all times. Any moment, hey, you good, Queen? You good? I love it. See, that's again. This is how we move on this show. You feel me? So we we moving right along. We right along, teaching these men how to act. And I'm getting let me stop. Let me stop. Uh, but but what I wanted to do, um, I got another. I got a quote that's gonna really dive deep into the concept of. You know, the reality is these are quite these are happening in relationships, if you will, whether it's marriages or other types of relationships. Uh, before I share that quote, uh, just a quick thought: um, the one because I think we always got to tell this part of the story when we, if we're going to even ask this question, should I stay or should I go? We wonder a lot of times when people are not familiar with what really happens um, inside of these situations. The, the quote that I share. Um, you know, from Miss um, Anderlin, where she says the majority of men may not be perpetrators, but in a sense, the majority of the situations are men. And so a lot of times I do like to clarify, and I, and I love the fact that, that was in the quote, just the idea. Sometimes there's this concept when we're dealing with this issue that, you know, in a sense, most men, you know, in a sense, are familiar with this or do this. And, and the reality is it's not most men. So for men who don't do these things, which most men don't, we don't really have an understanding of why, or in a sense, well, you know, I'll just put it in the context of a woman in this situation, why a woman doesn't up and leave. We don't always get it if that's not, you know, we don't have relationships where we're abusive. We don't always understand, well, why don't she just leave? And I know you can speak to that directly. So if you will, Queen, just talk about that process um, doing this type of work, if you will. Um, so, um, one of the things that I do with, um, my organization is that I created a 12 step program. The reason that I created the 12 step program is because when you're leaving an alcoholic anonymous and you're, and you're alcoholic, they give you a, a, a program follow 12 steps. Um, NA, they give you a program to follow. The reason that they give you these programs to follow is because there's certain things that you need to do in, within yourself and within your life um, to help you with the sobriety. And that's the reason I created the 12 steps is because it helps you with your healing. It's called 12 steps of healing. There's certain things that you need to do in order to be healed, um, in order to get that healing. So 
um, with that being said is that if you don't get a certain, if you don't get healed from the abuse, what I found in my work with the girls that I work with and just in my experience myself is that either you become an abuser yourself, you go back to the same abuser, or you attract the same kind of abuse. So healing is very important. When they say, why do women, why do they go back? So with my events, I write plays. And my play for this event is a domestic violence event um, play. And before um, we did practice for the very first one, I sat online on Zoom. I went over why I wrote the play the way I wrote the play. It's very um, vicious, but it's my life. Um, and I wanted them to understand that these are real things that happened to me. So I needed them to express it the way that I wrote it. But I gave them each time to talk about how they felt when they read it. Now, one of the ladies on there, she said that when she was a little girl, her mom was with her stepfather, which was abuser. The stepfather raped her sister. The stepfather raped her 12-year-old sister in front of the whole entire family. They were able to get out of the relationship. Her mom was able to get out of the relationship, get her own apartment, get a different job, and months later her mom goes back to her abuser. She said, I can never understand why my mom did not just leave. That's why it's so important for the killing process. People don't leave because of a couple reasons. They don't leave because they don't feel worthy. They don't leave because they're scared. They don't leave because they think this is all that they can get. They don't leave because they have too many children and they think nobody else will want them. There's several reasons why people don't leave. So I think that's why it's very important that once you leave your abusive relationship that you get into the healing process as quick as possible. Because now this lady is sitting on my Zoom call and she's in her 70s. Her mom is already dead and gone, and the same question that she has is, why didn't my mom just leave? Why couldn't she leave? Um, it's almost like being on crack or being addicted to something. Um, you feel like you need it. You feel like you can't live without it. Um, um, you feel like if I could have only shut up, I wouldn't have made him hit me. Or if I could have only um, listened, then he wouldn't have got mad. These are all psychological things that goes on in your head. And so that's why I created that 12-step healing process because you have to get healed from these things. Um, there's yeah, let a me, young lady. I'm, I'm sorry. Go, Go ahead. Yeah if, I Go could, ahead. yeah, if I could jump in. Uh, yeah, no, no, no problem, no problem. Here's another aspect just to share for others who may be asking, and, and, and we, I definitely hear that perspective, but there's even other things, um, and, and I've definitely heard a son and, now, you know, talk about the idea of resources, given the examples that they gave. But just to even give a little more context to this overall issue, uh, the unfortunate aspect for, for our women out there is one in four women can expect to be victims of domestic violence in their lifetime. It is actually the leading cause of injury for women ages 15 to 44 in the U.S., more than car accidents, muggings, and rapes combined, like just to really put perspective in it, and, and particularly to our community, 
we see that African-American women experience it even at higher rates than, than just mentioned. Again, just want to give full perspective, but here's another part of that aspect of that one in four that can expect to experience it in their lifetime. What most people don't realize is a lot of the injuries happen after the first attempt to leave. So for people out there still saying, I can't imagine, uh, one, why did you stay? And two, here's another question that people ask, and I'm sorry, I, I will jump in on this. But another question people will ask is, well, didn't you see the signs prior to getting into that situation? Um, and, and having dealt with some friends that have been through it, in a sense, it's not always that simple. And every now and then there's a unique situation where it doesn't show up early in the relationship. That's not typically what I've seen in my own experience, obviously not having done the work as much as y'all have. Um, but I've definitely seen that unique situation um, here and there. But go ahead, um, either one of you jump in on that, just the aspect of uh, people still kind of wondering outside, looking in, why did you see the signs or why didn't you leave? People don't see a lot when they're in love. Uh, right, but you know we do premarital counseling as well, and you know one of the things that we see because we can be on the outside looking in, we will point things out to us another person. We'll challenge them on something that would that would be said because it's something that could it's a personality trait or a mindset that could lead to abuse. Um, and so sometimes it shows up times when we see it quite clearly and we'll call it out, but we, you know, it's still up to the couple to decide how they're going to move within that situation. And when you also say, why don't they see it? It can be so subtle that people don't see it. And of course it escalates, but you know, it was, just this one thing, and they'll take it to be sweet. You know, he he isolates you, and that's one of the first steps. But you're thinking, oh, he just wants to spend so much time with me. He just wants me all to himself. He's so protective of me, and that's sweet and endearing to you. You know, you like this whole princess persona of how he's treating you, and you get blindsided by it. He's, I, he's got you isolated, and the next thing is is that, you know, you can't leave the house at all. And if you do, you have to ask his permission, and he took the keys to your car. Nah, makes <laughs> sense. So for anybody out there listening, we will open up the phone lines as well. Um, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We actually got an area code four seven eight. Last three three zero three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Peace, family. What's happening? This is uh, sincere, the host of the um, uh, a couple of events with uh, Lulu. So peace and love to everybody. Uh, so I'll be uh, hosting the. Um, the uh, domestic violence event, uh, as long uh, as well as the Why Should I Get Married event. So, so we kind of tie those events together to deal with uh, people that's dealing with the hardship, and then we go into the transformation. Uh, but 
this is something that we definitely need to shine a light on and help our people out of these dark spaces. So, um, so, so I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the work that you do, uh, Lulu, and absolutely with what you're doing, uh, Montoya. Uh, we just have to continue the conversation, and we need to entertain people with information for the transformation. No, I love it. Thanks for the three cents, King. Appreciate you all as always. Montoya, Montoya. Yes, go ahead. Yes, go ahead, Queen. Is Cynthia, is Cynthia still on? Yes, 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 I'm here. Okay, it's funny because I was literally just saying, like, maybe five minutes ago, I was like, man, I need sincere on here. Um, so the reason why, um, and, and I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I'm allowed, but is there any way possible that we can ask him the last question and he can answer it in his view? Is that possible? You say the last question or the sh- question for the show? Which question are you referring to, Queen? Yeah, the, la- the the question for the show would be good. I would like to hear it in his point of view. Okay, 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 no problem, absolutely. All right, we'll, be, yeah, we'll definitely get to see his uh, perspective on that. So, again, this one discussion question. Domestic violence, should I stay or should I go? When you hear it worded that way, Sincere, uh, again, you do, I know you do counseling work as well. What's your thought um, on that question when you hear it worded that way? Right, absolutely. Uh, What I do as a holistic uh, relationship coach, I work with people on uh, self-identity and knowledge of self, love of self, self-care, those type of things. That's the very first relationship uh, that you have as an aware adult or an aware uh, youngster in some cases. So um, what I've seen with people that have been in uh, abusive relationships is that they have a lack of of understanding of who they are so there's not a lot of value seen because they're not taught it in most cases. Uh, so when we get into breaking down um, how they grew up and that type of thing, what have they seen, a lot of it, it comes from a line of trauma too. So they've seen these bad relationships, so they take up one. So so their identity is wrapped up into what they've seen, a low self-worth, a low idea of who they are and what they can become. So that's the first step as far as what I do as a coach in working with people. And that's, that's running rapid within our community, but we can fix it. I love it. Thank you for the three cents, King. That was beautiful. Appreciate you for supporting as always. Absolutely. Peace and love y'all. If you're out there listening to get in on this morning's discussion question, you have to press 1 if you're on the phone line. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691 and press 1. Here's a quote I want to bring to the table. Again, just taking advantage of having um, Hassan and Naila, the Ruby counseling. We definitely appreciate you. Um, Here's a quote, again, that just really brings this to light in the perspective of the things we've been talking about, the different cultures. Um, Amber, if you will, I'll have you kind of just give me your thoughts to this quote before we go to um, our, our, our couple, if you will. So this quote comes from Nomalango Malawi Moses, um, a queen that I really respect and follow, who puts a lot of value in, um, in a sense, marriages, if you will. It's giving a little context because I'm, I'm assuming this plays a role in why she made this quote, but I know just from following her. And we've had y'all on the show, again, just – talking about the culture and the idea of, in a sense, making marriage 
uh, are making, in a sense, today's time, get an understanding of what marriage has been, what it means, what it should be for. And the one that you do that work as well, uh, as Sincere mentioned, um, you know, why should I get married? Glad to be a part of that with you as well. So just kind of bring it in that context with those, in a sense, who are married, where it's not as simple as uh, this is my boyfriend hit me and I'm never going to see him again. Uh, this is the quote that she said. And, again, I just want to hear your first thoughts, Amber, because I know you haven't heard this. I just want to hear what, you know, what your response is before we go to our couple. The quote is, domestic violence is a very complex issue and has two sides. Just telling men to stop and women to leave solves nothing and exposes ignorance. What's your first thought when you hear a quote like that in reference to this morning's discussion, Amber? Who is that question for? Amber. Amber, are you there, Queen? Okay. So lose Amber? Actually, okay. She may have. Oh, I, oh, I got to bring her back live. Her phone call dropped. All right, let me get her live. Sorry, y'all. Hi, right, Amber, you're Thank back you. live, Queen. I hope you're. Yeah, yeah. I hope you heard that quote. But I just again, first time hearing it. What's your first thought when you hear that quote from again, Nomalango, Malawi Moses? Um, the first thing is that it does definitely demonstrate ignorance because it's never that simple. Um, to me, um, when you think of the word love, it is complicated. And so that's the only way that I can describe um, how complicated it is in a situation where, you know, there's, you know, domestic violence is not always that easy to just leave. Um, So it's it's definitely uh, not an intelligent suggestion. (laughs) Um, So those are my thoughts on that. And I always think about when there are children involved or even when I was a senior in high school, I was the quote-unquote state beta club president or whatever, and I opted as, in a sense, president of the state to create this um, fundraiser for uh, women that were in those shelters, uh, that, that were trying to escape their very violent situations. And so it's something that's always been near and dear to me, I think, a lot of us have been touched by the situation, whether we like to admit it or not, in some way or form, even if you haven't, haven't necessarily experienced abuse or been a perpetrator of it, but just being aware of it happening within the family uh, or, or being even a, a, a child victim of seeing it happening to, your, you know, your parents, in a sense, battle through it. Um, but, yeah, I think Novolingo brings raises a lot, um, and it's kind of similar to what, you know, both of you said, it just, you know, this is complex. But if y'all will, just kind of jump in on, as you said, now in the very beginning, that people will just say, just leave. And there are also some situations where some couples have gotten past it, from what I understand. Pretty sure y'all can speak with that, speak to that. I know we only got y'all for, you know, a few more minutes here, but just if y'all can leave us with, unfortunately, y'all do have to go and do the counseling that y'all are talking about. But if, you know, if y'all both could leave us with a thought in reference to that quote in particular, and we'll continue this conversation. Um, but I thank y'all both for being with us. But, again, give us something before y'all go. Yeah, that last part, it exposes victims. 
two things in regard to leaving. One, a woman, and I know men are, are abused as well, but a woman typically leaves around statistically seven times before she leaves permanently. And so the other part of leaving is she has to be ready to leave. I think one of the, the, the other ladies she had mentioned, you know, she has to be able to function. Just, and not only do you have to be able to survive and have your know, basic resources available to you, you cannot be in a place where you are mentally and emotionally stagnant. Um, so that goes to the first part of why won't she leave. Um, she has to be in the mindset, too, because sometimes they leave, and they know that they're coming back. No, and friends will get tired of them. Family members will get tired of them. I helped you the last two times, and you went right back. I'm through with it. I'm not. I'm done with you. You keep going. You keep going back. So these are the things that we have to take into consideration. The entire mindset. But the last part, exposes victims. When a person leaves, they are more likely to be killed. And we have to be mindful that you can't just pack your bags and leave. Leaving requires a safety plan. You know, in the event your life is being threatened, of course, run out the door, climb out a window, do whatever it is that you need to survive in that moment. But you need to plan it. You need to get to get a bag and put your birth certificates and your social security card and get those things aside. Maybe give them to a friend to keep for you so that they won't even be in the house. A bag and put that somewhere else so they won't see it, so they won't know that you, you have an exit strategy in place. Because when your abuser knows you are about to leave, it, when it, says it exposes the victim, it exposes your life to be threatened. That makes sense, for sure. Um, I'd like to share something real quickly in that, you know, something kind of not, like something Naiva said the same second ago. Okay, thank you. And, and this is more of a personal experience. Um, my mom, you know, she left the situation twice. You know, she was in a relationship where there was some domestic violence that happened twice, um, once to her, then the other one to me, right? Um, and so the leaving aspect is, is hard because what it is, it, it was a setback for what, her lifestyle and different other things that may have taken place, right? And obviously she wanted to do it for reasons of safety. But there's a lot of things that go on in a person's mind. Obviously a man is not going to, if, it, if the situation, he ain't hot telling and running somewhere, right? If he leaves, if a man leaves, you know, or leave a relationship alone, he doesn't really leave the relationship alone at that point. He, I mean, unless she starts talking and something and then she there. He doesn't have that same type of uh, degree mm-hmm. that a woman may have as far as when a man comes back, right? But in a situation where there's a woman and then there's children involved, she has a lot to think about, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we get to the comment of should I stay or should I leave, there's a lot of things to be that's in consideration. And she is more likely wearing a lot of what she believes are the pros and cons of leaving a situation. It's unfortunate because obviously she's 
if it's a woman in this instance, I just say if this is a woman in this instance, she is more likely sitting there making a decision of saying that the abuse, the the my everything else is is a little bit more weightier than the abuse that I I received, right? Which is mm. a bad it's a bad thought, but nevertheless, it's a real thought. Does that make any sense in that? Right. No, nah, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you just, you know, we, we're just having an honest conversation. It's, it's honest that that is consideration for some of them. That's just you're just yeah. Again, whether people they can agree or disagree, but that's what really happens. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, Absolutely. and and so, and so you know, part of the whole situation is, you know, a lot of times, and you know, and maybe today's times, I don't know. You know, I, I can make an assumption. More women work today or make money today than they probably did 40, 50 years ago, right? But nevertheless, the dynamics of, of, of systems are still there. And so when a woman decides to leave, she's going to drop pretty much everything that she has. She's going to leave her house. She leaves leave. her life. She leaves her life with her and her children to do something else. Because if even if he can't abuse her, he will abuse her friends and her family. He'll stalk them. He'll call them. He'll annoy them. And so she can she may even have to go to the extent where she separates herself from people who could help her for their safety. Exactly. Exactly. So that there's a lot that comes with this decision that she one in this instance we're talking about women, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of situations that really takes place for a woman to make that type of decision. Well, and, and even with some situations, baby, I don't know if your mother would have left the way she did had she known what was going to happen to you. Well, I mean, no, no. I mean, obviously, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, right, and what I'm talking about is. Obviously, he 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 was a teenager. I'm telling you a story. Mm-hmm. He was a teenager when <laughs> uh, when his mother left, and they, they they she left like a thief in the night, and she needed to. Right. Okay, but when they moved to another state, his school books got left behind, and you know abusers don't really care about you know the child's education so much. And he didn't turn in, and because the textbooks were not turned into the school, the school would not transfer his school records to the other state. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was I, I, said, I was out of school for like eight months. He, was, he ended up being out of school for like eight months. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say it, just, you know, cutting to the chase. He wasn't in school. He got into some shit, Okay. I mean, what else was there? Lock it up, man. So, you know. No. So, yeah, yeah. it adds so much complexity to this us, this concept. <laughs> I know y'all got to go, so I'm trying to be respectful of letting y'all get to your counseling section. But I'm glad. I mean, I thank you for right. this story. It means a lot because, again, outside looking in, if you don't experience it, you'll just simply say, the answer has to be just leave, and you're adding real-life complexity that people who would never consider unless they've been through it. I know LaWanda could tell us a million stories as well doing this work, but, right. again, I just want to make sure I'm being respectful of y'all's time. So, yeah, finish up that comment and let no people doubt. know how they that. can seek y'all out. That is always, the, you know, very key, and I'm glad that we've been able to refer 
a couple to y'all wonderful counseling. So make sure we get that out before y'all go as well. Okay, you can it. you can find us at www.thatclaycouple.com, hashtag thatclaycouple, all across social media, particularly the, the gram and Twitter and Facebook, and you will find us. We are still ranked in the top 20 on YouTube for having um, the best counseling channels on YouTube. So you can go there. And watch us like Netflix. <laughs> um, and no, this I is Lawanda. I want to. I want to say I want to connect with them. Um, so I'm going to go to the website, but I definitely want to connect with them, especially on this event. No, absolutely. Okay, no I got I got the number for you. I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you um their number after the show. The one they've already agreed to um have let you let you call them. So again, I was supposed to have done that a couple of weeks ago, but we'll definitely make it happen today. But thank y'all both so much for being with us. Uh, we got a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour break. For anybody out there listening, if you're online and want to get in, you do have to press one. Um, the number to get in is six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour. Uh, but just any thoughts on hearing even Hassan's personal story, Lawanda, or if you want to even share another brief one. Again, should I stay or should I go? We keep reiterating that it is never really just that simple as they highlighted, especially for the ladies. Again, yes, as men, we could typically just up and leave in the event that we decide to. Um, if we're the ones being abused, but it's a lot more considerations for the ladies. So, again, just a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. Um, again, not necessarily doing a break, um, but I do want to play a cut to take this conversation in a different direction. So um, any thoughts from you, Luanda, in reference to that particular situation? Yes, um, a lot of thoughts. So the reason why um, – so what I do uh, with the domestic violence is that we provide the girls – so we get the girls – that are leaving abusive situations. We provide them with the home. It's a safe home. Um, and we um, furnish the, you know, furnish the home and we put them in the home. Um, and we help them with the 12 steps of healing, help them with 12 steps of success. But it does take a team. <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. Um, for instance, we have a young lady in there now. She came to us about three weeks ago. She was leaving her abuser. He had just beat her up. She left with absolutely nothing, had to get out. Um, and she jumped in the car. She's not even from the state and just drove. So absolutely, um, a lot of things take plans. Um, I, myself, was abused. Um, I was abused, um, and during that time, he hit my child. Um, he, once, he hit, once he brought my children into it, I had two girls at the time, a five-year-old little girl and a three-year-old little girl, and he hit them um, and threw them on the ground, threw covers over them, and I knew at that point, I said, okay, he's taking the abuse from me to them. And at that point, I knew I had to go. I didn't have time to write out an escape plan, nothing. I knew at that moment mm-hmm. it was time for me to leave. So I waited until he went to sleep. Once he went to sleep, me and my kids jumped out the window, jumped in the car, and never returned. Um, I left with no clothes, no nothing. The only thing we had was the things that we had on our back, and we went into a shelter. Um, there are things and there are situations where you do have to plan and plot it out. Had a young lady right. a couple of weeks ago. Um, her her boyfriend, she left her boyfriend. Her advocate took her to the house to get clothes. The boyfriend asked to see the baby. 
She gave him the baby while she packed up her clothes. The boyfriend ran outside with the baby, threw the baby on his head as hard as he can, and the baby died right there. You absolutely have to get out if you know that that's like just what they said. Every time you go back, it's a chance that they'll kill you. Now these guys are, or mm-hmm. girls are not just killing you, they're killing your children. So, yes, that's why mm-hmm. we provide a safe home. That's why we, we make sure that you're safe. We give you gas money. We take care of your bills. We help you. We get you on your feet. We make sure you have a car. We make sure you have a job so that you don't have to go back into that situation. Right. Wow. Resources. Well, I'm to, I, resources I hear y'all still on the line. I wanna, is y'all, are y'all staying with us? Because I'm glad to keep y'all no, on the line. No, we get ready to make sure I'm being respectful. I want to what you're okay. saying, but... No, I appreciate it. I just want to make sure I keep talking to you. I know, right? Okay, just check. I mean, yeah, I'm still here. We're going to keep talking to you. No, absolutely. No, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, you want to get to the last thought out before we let you go? No, I'm just saying, man, that what she said is real. Resources are a must when somebody does make the decision to 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 leave you know because again that was kind of one of our main my main situations and both times my mother left it was she mm-hmm. didn't have the resources right. and, and, right. then, and then when she was told she had the resources right people family said we got you we got you and i believe that they thought they could but she needed Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree totally. And that's why we want this organization to make sure that we are able to tackle every situation that you're in need of, every situation. So I absolutely agree. Well, no, thank you all both so much. Yeah, we're going to get you all connected um, definitely right after the show. I'm going to give you the number, and I know she'll be reaching out to you all. Thank you all for making yourselves available, and um, this is going to be a, a, a match that's absolutely needed on all levels. So. And they've been, and Luana's been asking about y'all ever since she heard you on the show last time. So we're gonna make it happen. Oh, uh, thank you, fam. That's what's up. That's what's up. So we get, we catch y'all later. All right. All right. Thank y'all. Once right. again, we actually thank yeah we actually you. got another caller that wants to get in. So I'm gonna get to this caller before I play this next cut. Again, this cut will take us in the direction that you actually mentioned, Luanda, from the beginning was just the concept of even in a sense and. Amber, you mentioned as well, like the perspective of the abusers. That's a perspective that's rarely talked about um, during these situations. But let's get to the caller first. Montreal, this is Maryland. How are you? Last three, eight, nine, one. If you will, give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents. This I'm Montreal, this is Maryland. Montoya, this is Maryland. How are you? How are you doing, Maryland? I'm yeah, doing, doing well. Queen. I'm what doing well. Uh, uh, survivor. Um, a counselor and a minister. I've, I've known and seen and experienced it from all different levels. The couple ju- just left. I did not get their information, public or private. I do need to connect with them somehow. Why don't we just we'll leave? For the many reasons that they were given, those are true reasons. The abusers do need 
of the vehicle. We always deal with those who are abused, but the abusers need counseling. They need pre-counseling. Men need to be trained. Men are not trained for this. You know, women are, are warned of this coming up. We're told the do's and the don'ts. Love will make you do many foolish things. But the men are not prepared for that, and they don't have good role models. And they think it's masculine to do that. The music, the all the media, the, all the entertainment points to them being a man. You know, that's that's the way men handle themselves. And it's not. It's a sickness. It's a disease. It's rejection. It's so many things that they're suffering from not having good role models or dads in their life is perpetuated. So we need to, to, to tackle this thing from both sides. When the brother asked the sister a, a few moments ago when she was speaking and he cut in and just asked her, was she all right, that went right to the core of me because that's what we need. We need the brothers to step up to them. I was married. My husband was abusing me. I tried to leave. I couldn't leave. And I happened to talk to a man one night sitting in a club. I happened to talk to a man one night, and I told him. He sought my husband out, and he approached him. And then he called me, and he said, he will never, ever come at you like that again. And he didn't. And we remained together for a while, but he never did come to me like that. They will abuse a woman, but they will not stand up to another man. In my community, there was a group called the Top Ten. They raised money. They did all sorts of things to have a fund where they went out in the community and they paid bills for women. They paid car repairs for women. They paid for school supplies and shoes and food and everything that they needed. The the men in the community were there to do that. We need to go back to the village being the village for our culture, for our women and our children and for men raising men. Thank you for my three cents. Nah, beautiful three cents. Um, I, I, can't even, I can't even believe this, Marilyn. You reminded me of a scenario where I did the same thing and hadn't even thought about it. And I've, I touched the show once a year, maybe twice, but typically once a year, partly because of Lawanda. Thank you, Queen, for you know, making us have this conversation. I like to touch this show. I typically, believe it or not, we don't get a lot of callers because it's such it's so triggering. But I'm blown away that I forgot about a scenario I was in in which basically protecting uh, uh, at the time from when I seen as a girlfriend, if you will, um, you know, in college, addressing someone who had literally put her in the hospital years before. And the thing that I addressed was, uh, you know, and it was a situation where, you know, a crazy college situation where it was, you know, a situation where I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but it was a situation where, you know, me and him, in a sense, were going to fight if we saw each other. And I said, all that aside, I want to understand why you're willing to put your hands on this one. Like, like mm-hmm. the situation between us is nothing, means nothing to me. And mm-hmm. it was a situation with kids involved. She went back into the situation, but I was glad to hear that, Never again did he put her hands on her, and it literally was from a phone conversation. We never saw each other face to face, and I, mm-hmm. and, and at the time, just keeping her safe for a number of days. But eventually, as I'll say, they do return, and in returning, um, come to find out, he never touched her again. They obviously they've separated, you know, years ago, or whatever. But you're right that they, you know, that they don't. At least that situation was one in which was similar to yours. 
the man never at least physically abused her after just a phone conversation. Uh, you know, and again, I forgot about it. I forgot about it until you reminded me. So thank you for that call, Queen. With that said, let's get into this cut. I want to definitely get both of y'all thoughts. Again, we want to look at it from the perspective. I think Marilyn said it as well, so it was a great segue. Quite often this conversation is talked about strictly from the abuse perspective, but I found a couple of cuts to to get into the mindset of the abusers, if you will. So, um, Amber, I think I'll start with you again as my co-host. Um, as you hear this cut, I want to hear your thoughts, and LaWanda, again, you do this work, so I can only imagine um, you, you know, your familiarity with these type of things. But, again, this is from the perspective of an abuser and how they see things wonderful. I shouldn't say wonderful, but it was like yourself, Amber. I was thinking about the aspect of, say, they can go get counseling, but that abuser is never looking to do that because they want to keep that power, um, as they mentioned in the previous hour. All right. Them and tell them what you did to get yourself here. My name's Robert. Um, we had just had one of my youngest sons. We were both working a lot, me and my wife. You know, we started we started arguing, and I got mad, and I threw the remote, our TV remote, and it busted, and the battery flew out and hit her on the arm. She had a bruise in her arm. You no, know, I mean, I always grew up knowing that, you know, you don't hit women. You don't, I, I always grew up that way, you know, and I'm not perfect. You know, obviously I'm here. Um, I, you know, I take. Even if you weren't here, you wouldn't be perfect. Yeah, and I take responsibility, but at the same time, I mean, this is not my first class. This has happened before. I've had multiple classes. This is actually my third class. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, change. I mean, sometimes I don't think; I just react. And can I ask you some hard questions? Yeah, you can ask me anything you want. What do you think about this being your third time in group? First thing that comes to my mind is ridiculous because I should have learned from the first time. I didn't, apparently. And it's confusing for me, too, as well, because I'm just like, man, like, well, like why can't you get it? I can get other things, but I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get that. I mean, I grew up in a hostile home. You know what I mean? I, I used to get hit, abused. That doesn't work. It doesn't work because in reality, for me, all it did was piss me off more. All it did was put more fuel and more fire in, in my heart. And well, it kept the cycle going. It, it, it completely kept the cycle going. And, and as it kept going, I kept picking up bits and pieces of different things. And by the time I got to my relationship, I got this whole cluster of, of stuff that I'm thinking, well, how is that even here? And I got to deal with it. And the biggest pull, the biggest pull that I can think of, that would make you want to participate in all this is aren't you tired of things going awful let that be your motivation i want something better for myself and my partner you got lots of work to do well yeah i got who else has but but i think i have made you know a little step towards you know doing doing better and if i just put into the game remote i mean honestly like that's what i mean i don't I don't, you know, like, I don't get physical anymore, you know, and... Throw it over motives. Yeah, but, but it wasn't intentional, like, throwing it at her. It was, you know... It, Intentions it was, are irrelevant. I, I know. But, it, like, so what it, it, it's, but I have gotten better, though. That I know. Okay, I'll give you that. But what I want you to, what I want you to try to avoid is minimizing it. 
if you make it smaller in your mind, well, I only threw the remote, and it, I didn't mean to do it, it makes the violence less important, and then you're less likely to use your tools to stop. If you realize what I did was wrong, even if it was verbal, even if I didn't mean to do it, it was wrong. I need to use my tools every day, all day. This can never happen again. You see the difference? Yeah. Amber, your thoughts on that cut? Yes. Oh, first word that comes into mind is accountability. Um, accountability for just throwing the remote, you know. Um, he stated, oh, I just, you know, pretty much I just lose it sometimes or whatever. Um, but the accountability piece is what I heard um, most from the counselor in the session is let's change the thinking. Um, let's stop minimizing the behaviors um, because he had a lot of pain, a lot of trauma that he experienced and he witnessed. So it had to shape him. It shaped him in a way that, you know, it may be difficult for him to take a deep look at, you know, as we, you know, think about, you know, the behaviors that he was exhibiting and, and you know, I could, it sounds like he, you know, he really wanted to let this be the last time, you know, for his session. Um, so that's the main thing that comes to mind when I hear that piece. And then also with the last caller, it's holding, you know, each other accountable. Most times there's other people that are know that know that, you know, there's, you know, a potential abusive situation. So those people closest to, you know, those individuals, they should be able to say, you know, like you said, Montoya, why, what makes you think or why do you think that it's okay for you to hit this woman? You know, it's just that piece that I think is, is needed uh, when we think about this topic. No, strong thoughts. And and here's the thing about it, is, and it's, it's a perspective that while, again, for anybody outside looking in, this is, that situation makes no sense. See, as humans, it is so natural to want to rationalize our own behavior. And so, as you said, I got the same feeling that the guy is in a perspective like, damn, why can't I get it? I want to get this right. But in the, along the way, to make himself okay, well, I didn't throw it at her intentionally, and, and I'm getting better. Because he, he needed that for his own sanity from the standpoint of that's what cognitive dissonance does because his unfortunate reality was he had the own experience, said himself as a kid it did not work, and then you turn around and perpetuate it. It is something, it is, it is in my opinion, it's very dynamic how the human mind works in a sense, whatever we value or see right is wrong, but when we do it, there's a level of rationalization and, and forgiveness for our own selves or sometimes not even seeing that it's wrong or can't see that it's wrong based on your own life experiences. And so that's, again, how we delve into these situations. Luanda, um, your thoughts about that cut? Because, again, we, 
um, you brought it up from the very beginning, the perspective from the abuser side and how we handle it or typically don't handle it in a lot of cases. But uh, what did you hear from that cut? Um, I have an, you know, another cut I want to play as well, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, um, I sent you a message, so I'm like, I need that clip. Um, that was very powerful. Um, I think the same thing, accountability. I think that um, – I think, number one, I do. I think that um, accountability is powerful to healing. Um, The more you say it, the more you express it, the more you admit it, um, that's when you're able to correct those things. Um, A lot of times I see that um, abusers, they they completely brush it off. Um, It wasn't even like that. Oh, she just wants to play the victim. Um, Oh, no, it wasn't even, they didn't even happen like that. Like, but for him to actually admit um, what he was doing and how he was doing it um, and why he was doing it, um, that that is, I think, the first step to healing, um, first to admit your problems, right? Um, and that's why, like I, I was stating before, that's why the Black Debonair was so important to me um, so that we can eventually not only honor these black men but get these black men around other black men um, that are um, dealing with these kind of traumas um, because they've either seen it before, either experienced it before, or they have a lot of just hidden hurt and pain, not to give them an excuse because this is no excuse at all, but um, they need a way to filter it out and figure it out and and um, find out why they keep doing it. Um, but I think the first step is accountability and um, allowing yourself to admit what you're doing. And just the fact, it was one thing that he said. He said, I can get a lot of things, but I can't get this. Um, That's powerful. I remember dealing with um, one of a situation with a girl and a guy, and she kept going back. And I was like, why won't he stop? Like, why won't he stop? Because when I talked to him, he seemed like he wanted to stop. Like, he did. He seemed like he did not want it to be him. And um, and it was revealed to me in prayer that it was almost like being an alcoholic. Like, he could not stop. He had to really work that thing out in order to stop. It was just as bad as being addicted to something. Um, because that was his number one response, um, just like uh, a person addicted to pornography. Uh, they don't, they can't stop it. It's like it's, it's something that's in them, and you really need help to to get that out of you. Um, so a lot of people, they can recognize what they do, and they can't stop. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that every time they do it, they hate themselves even more and it makes them do it even more. So it's just a lot of a, a lot of healing need to be done, a lot of talks, a lot of therapy. It has to be done. Um, but that was a very powerful clip, very much so. Yeah. So let me drop a seed here because um, I think this is kind of where some of this begins. It plays out in a lot of ways. And as uh, Son and I said, they – even the other forms of abuse, and I can't agree with them, in a sense, can be worse than sometimes than the violence. And, and in the sense that, you know, obviously there are different levels of violence, so clearly, um, you know, situations 
where people are getting killed and things. I'm not talking about that situation, but sometimes, and it's not excusing or lessening in, in any level of violence, if you will, but again, there's usually accompanied with a lot of other things. Here's a seed that I feel like we all have to share with our children, and we've heard it as we've gotten older, but I think it's very to share with your children as Sincere called in and talked about the concept of self-love, and there's a lot of self-work that's typically missing, you know, in these situations. But the other side of this concept of love, as we all come to learn it in our own way, there's one thing that, that, some, that many of us come to understand about love when we're first learning as youth that we should make clear to our youth, and it's that love cannot be possessed. Love cannot be possessed. And I, I say that from this standpoint, if you think about when you're a child and your favorite toy or even even your parents, if you will, from a from an infant perspective, uh, with that love that you feel, your parents are yours. Uh, I always use the dating of a young lady, and typically with a two-year-old, I see this happen mostly with two years of dating, you know, dating a woman with with children. With a two year old, that concept of you know every waking need I had, my mother filled, and so if they're coming into their own personality, and you know if I'm dating a young lady that has a two year old, two year olds are real quick to if you come and date their brother, if you sit next to them, they'll try to sit between you. Like this is my mom, this is my this is my person. I, I love this person. Right. She is mine. And and then you, right. and you go through the terrible twos, and it's 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 it's, it's, it's like between two and three that you have to teach your children how to share, because the concept of what I love is mine. So this is natural to human nature, right? But if you never get that figured out, that which you love to most, the most, you think you possess it, yeah. and if you possess it, mm-hmm. then you have an aspect of I should have power over it. So although I love you in this manner, this is my form of love. Well, you've done something to hurt me or go outside of what we we said we agreed to or what I told you. And so when you go outside of that, I got to keep you in line because you're mine. Like we conceptualize love in that manner. And so it is absolutely necessary to start telling you from day one, love has nothing to do with possession, because that's where the control lies, is I possess you, I own you, even if it's subconsciously. You might not say it consciously, but, you know, I love you. I have to keep you in line. Like, this is the thought process that goes behind keeping you in line, or as not Ela said, um, isolating you and in a, such a subtle and slick way that you don't even know that there's potential for violence, if you receive that as, oh, he really loves me, or, you know, or even if whatever the woman's for. And, 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 and even throwing out, in a sense, that we are seeing, you know, just throw this out real quickly, and even though we are starting to see, in a sense, women even becoming more perpetrators of it to a certain extent, um, you know, clearly not on a large degree as men, but we are seeing those numbers rise, um, just even in studying that. Um, the, the, the ladies typically rely on other forms of abuse more so than the violent piece, um, which kind of makes sense. Um, but they can be extremely emotionally abusive, extremely, you know, abusive and manipulative in that way, um, you know, to where it does happen vice versa. 
but ultimately it comes down to, well, you know, you said this is my my girlfriend, this is my wife. That my is the issue um, for a lot of this. So I just kind of want to you know bring those thoughts um, to the table. I want to play another cut um, again, getting it from the abuser standpoint. If you're out there listening or want to give us your three cents on this commercial free show, again, this discussion is too important, uh, if you will, to take breaks. Please get in at six four six seven eight seven. One six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. If you ladies are listening to this cut, and we'll start with you again, Amber. Um, your thoughts coming out of this cut. Actually, the one I'm gonna go with you because you're in this field, and this is a a cut talk user side. And how can we, in a sense, get them help um, to actually improve on this circumstances? Because a lot of what we're doing, you'll hit us in this cut. A lot of what we're currently doing doesn't necessarily make the situation better, and that's why you get numbers that 15, ladies ages 15 to 44, I want people to hear this and put this in perspective. The number one cause of injuries for women ages 15 to 44 is domestic violence, more so than rape, assault, everything combined. Domestic violence is the number one injury for women 15 to 44 let's see how we can get if we want to really improve on that thing let's see how it can be done listen to this the first step usually was um the verbal coercion the threat very quickly after it would like be a backhand or a slap we call it chin checking right just whap whap um and it escalates from there Jimmy Espinosa spent much of his life abusing women before going through RSVP. He's now a facilitator for the program. Once I can objectify a woman and then put a hand to her and gain that, like, see, I told you, then the, the ass whoopings would escalate, right, to full-out beatings. I never questioned um, that I wasn't right. Rehabilitation programs for abusers are controversial, particularly when they're proposed as an alternative to incarceration. We sat down with Lee Goodmark, a lawyer and professor who writes extensively about the case for decriminalizing domestic violence. How effective is restorative justice? There are pockets of programs across the country that have tried to do this work, and some of them are doing amazing work around kind of the three central questions of restorative justice, right? What was the harm? What was the impact of that harm? And how do we hold this person accountable? What do they need to do to be able to make that harm whole? We've heard so many horrific stories over the last several months. Some of these guys are monsters. Why advocate for them? I don't see it as advocating for them. I see it as advocating for their partners. The criminal legal system is the primary policy vehicle that we've chosen to deal with domestic violence in the United States. And I just think that's not a realistic way to deal with this problem. It's not lowering rates of domestic violence. And in many cases, it actually exacerbates the factors that cause domestic violence in the first place. How's that? So for example, under and unemployed men are more likely to commit domestic violence. When you put someone through the criminal legal system, it's much more difficult to get a job. Similarly, trauma and violence are highly correlated with domestic violence. So we send you to a place that is violent, and then you go back into your community. Mm. And so I've come to believe that while we need the legal system as a backstop for those crimes that are so egregious that we need to have people kind of not among us, 
We're really failing to do any of the kind of preventative work we need to be doing to stop the violence before it starts. So when I listen to that cut, I wonder, again, we'll start with you. Um, what comes to mind is a conversation that is constantly being, seems to dominate um, within our community specifically. And, again, the numbers I've shared are go even higher for black women specifically with the concept of the protection of our women. And so um, for men, that and, and, and this is something, here's a concept um, before, before you jump in, but I just want to throw this out there. But there's this concept, you know, some women feel like, you know, they're not protected. Some sisters feel like they are protected. But there's this varying degree in discussion that seems to be held. And and I know you're familiar with it because you do this work. There, there are, you know, men who who you respect and you know would never perpetrate that type of thing. And, and men in that situation, like myself, we're always saying, hey, we don't necessarily know these abusers, believe it or not. And people are always are shocked when we say this. But the reality is, amongst men, it's like all in water as far as those who will, per- who will perpetuate this stuff on a constant basis. Or if they're in our circle, they do a good, a, a damn good job of hiding it because they know that it would be accepted, uh, you know, within their circle of men. So it's not something that is quite that is highlighted as much as people think. Um, but, again, we're hearing it from the abuser side. I just want to kind of throw that out there. But it is definitely frustrating for men who, in a sense, we are protectors to hear some of our sisters say, in a sense, they're not protected. But I would offer this, and I'll let you jump in, as we hear that cut, the, the, since we use, the, in a sense, the jail system or the punitive system as the major way to handle it, then you get situations where, you know, there's a restraining order, they're taken to jail for one day, and then they get back out, and then they go and hurt that woman. woman. So we don't have a great system, in a sense, to protect women in general. And and as we just mentioned, if the woman is going back seven times before actually leaving, then you get that frustration of saying, well, I jumped in, or in some situations uh, a, a brother is jumped, you know, there are men sitting in prison now because they did handle a situation because the punitive system wasn't going to protect her. So I know I said a lot added to that, to, to that but I just wanted to go into all of that because I think it has to be a part of the discussion. Go ahead, Queen. Okay. Yeah, you did say a lot. Okay, let me see what I can tackle. So um, Feet of Clay, that's the name of the organization. The reason everybody asked me, they're like, why did you name it Feet of Clay? The reason that I named it Feet of Clay is because I went digging and digging and digging for a name of an organization. And I was just on Google one day, and I seen the words Feet of Clay, and I just wanted to figure out what it was. And Feet of Clay is literally a flaw in someone that's not expected or that they couldn't see coming. And I thought, yes, that's Cedar Clay. That goes with domestic violence. Um, And the reason that it went so well with me was because when I got out of my abusive relationship, I was in my abusive relationship for four years. No one knew I was in my abusive relationship. They went, they see me go from a size nine to maybe like a size two or a size one even, and everybody had speculations that maybe I was on drugs or uh, something was wrong, but they never thought it was abuse because when he came around, he was this loving and charming and a vibrant guy. Um, And so for 
until I got out of my abuse and until I started speaking of it years later, people just didn't know that was my feet of clay. The fact that he was around people and he laughed with people and he joked with people, even in my family, and they didn't know um, the flaw that he had, that is feet of clay. So a lot of times, a lot of people be like, well, we don't associate with people like that. We don't hang out with people like that. And the truth of the matter is you don't know who people are unless you live with them. Um, and so a lot of times um, when people leave their relationships or their with, a, a lot of times these men are very charming and, and they are women. They are. They're very charming. Um, they're business people. They're um um, and one of the in the clip is said um, these a lot of them don't work now that is true a lot of them don't work a lot of them it it, it ranges a lot of them could be businessmen mm-hmm. that comes into the business all the time what I've noticed a lot is police officers they are it's so many cases of police officers being abusive to their wives or their mm-hmm. girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are people that you see every day. You laugh with them, you joke with them, you call 911 because you need help, you know what I mean, out of your own abusive mm-hmm. relationships. So um, I really can't say that people know who they're around because they don't, um, because you never know who that person is. Um, and there's sometimes there's not even signs. Um, there's a young lady that was with her boyfriend all the way since high school, senior year of high school, and they got married in their late 20s, and they went on a honeymoon, and he beat her to death at the honeymoon. He had never touched her before. Um, from what they, from what they know, he had never touched her before, but it's like that's weird. He just beat her, you know, at the honeymoon. Um, so there's just a lot of different um, scenarios and a lot of different things. But point is, is that there's not a book on it. We don't know who's doing it. We don't know uh, who's in it. Um, last year at my event, I even told people, I was like, I've been a, a nanny for nine years. Um, no, people didn't know that I was in an abusive relationship. You could look at me and be like, her been abused, you're right. Um, and so you just never know. Um the problem is is that um, you have to, I mean, the thing is is that, you know, just like the brother at the beginning of the show and the young lady was talking and he goes, hey, are you okay? These are things that we have to do often. Um, if you have that gut feeling and you're walking in the mall, and, you, and, it, and it happens to me, I've had gut feelings and I'm just like, can I pray with you or you know, I'm a domestic violence advocate. Here's my number. Call me anytime. I've been in Ubers and been talking to people about domestic violence, and they pull over and say, my husband's been beating me for years. I just don't know how to get out. Um, so I think the thing is is that you have to constantly make yourself aware and look for, look for, you know, if you see a woman or a man that's down or if you see a scratch or a, a, bru- a, bu- a bruise, then make sure you make yourself known and say, hey, you know, um, if you need anything, I'm here. Or if I can help you with anything, um, don't hesitate to call or, um, you know, anything that you can possibly do because we just don't know who's in the situation. And I hope I covered that because it was a lot. I just didn't know no, you what did. really you did. No, 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 you definitely covered it. I know I, put, I know I said a lot, but I wanted to bring in that aspect because, like you said, like, I mean, you reminded me, like, my best friend went through this 
years ago, um, dated a guy. She was, he was, I think he was a senior. She may have been a freshman or whatever. Or I think he was a year removed from high school. So I didn't, I didn't like her dating him because he was too old, I thought. You know what I mean? But from what I understand, maybe prior to them getting married, she got, she got, ended up getting pregnant like her later, like senior year or something to that effect, and ended up getting married. But from what I understand, may have put his hands on her a couple of times prior to the marriage, but it became a regular thing during the marriage. And we, none of us ever knew. And I know she made a huge effort to keep it from her brothers because they would have handled it in a way that she was afraid of how they would handle it. So she made, we never knew until he abandoned it is when she finally let us know that she had been abused all those years physically. We never knew. Because had we known, and especially her brothers, I ain't even going to take credit on this one, her brothers would have handled that in a way, and because she knew that, she went out of her way to make sure we didn't know. And so I bring this up, and Amber, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Again, these conversations come up because, again, men are the majority of the situation. Again, most men are not. I like to make that clear. I don't want to misstate anything. Most men are not involved in this type of abuse, if you will, but men are the biggest perpetrators. But Amber, I wanted to get your thoughts because this conversation comes up so much, not just domestic violence, but this idea of our women being protected. Like I was, again, I was able to step in on that one situation. It wasn't the first. I've done it in another situation as well. But, again, that was a situation I was aware of. Most of the times when I found out about sisters that I cared about getting abused, it was way after the fact where I could not do anything. And so for majority of men who I think feel that way and who are protectors, despite what the media says or despite the arguments that you see back and forth on social media, it's so tricky in even being aware of it. But sometimes when you experience, your experience may just be like, there are no men to protect me. And it's really never even that simple in my opinion. Go ahead, Amber. We've got another caller that wants to get in um, as well, but I'm going to let you respond. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's, it's so important, you know, to have that support. Um, and, you know, I did feel, you know, that was a, a little bit of a shocking question when um, I was asked, are you okay? Um, but it felt good, you know, that, you know, <laughs> somebody is checking in, they're paying attention to, you know, what you hear or what he heard. And so for me, you know, sometimes, you know, you do have – a little bit of a different insight where you are able to, um, you know, be in the home where there might be domestic violence present or, um, you know, have a, a close relationship. It's important to, you know, for men, um, just if nobody, you know, has told you, but it is important to know that, um me as a woman, I have that that type of protection, or just someone to check in to say, "Hey, are you okay?" You know, it's very important, and it opens the door for a conversation. Um, just like Lawanda was saying, you know, just being aware of you know who she's coming in contact with. Um, you know, it's important to say, you know, are you okay? You know, if you see something that is a little bit questionable, um, it's okay to ask. You know, it's it's okay to open that door just to be sure. 
Uh, makes sense. Let's go to the caller. Area code four one four last three zero four eight. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. I'm sorry, I think you may have us on speaker, but we can't really hear you. Um, I don't know if you can. It sounds like you. Caller, can you hear me? I think you may have us on speaker, or I don't know if you realize you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Um, yes, you're live on the air. Uh-huh. What's your name? Where are you calling from? And your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hello, you're live on the air. I hit, I hit the wrong number. Okay, you didn't mean to come on the air. Okay, no problem. Okay. <laughs> All right, no problem. So um, just speaking of that, um, what do either of you say to, uh, you know, again, men who are, are looking to be protective or, or like you said, it's beautiful how Hassan just was making sure you was good, Queen. And, and again, for those of us who have that nature, um, you know, what do you say to uh, the man who's in the situation where they're like, okay, I want to get involved, but she's not going to leave. And, and, and now, this is a saying we don't feel protected. Again, I'm just bringing this up because this is always constantly talked about, and it's not just to defend the men, but I'm just trying to point out this dilemma plays a role as well. So, you know, what do you say to the man who, who wants to be a protector and who does ask, are you okay? But, you know, I'm not, obviously, if you're not going to share with me, can't do anything about it, but I'm talking about the scenario where, um, you know, unfortunately, they maybe addressed it, but she went back, you know, and I've heard all kind of, you know, in those circumstances. So, you know, how does a man protect that situation in y'all opinion, if, if, if that makes sense? Wanda, Amber, you don't so want to jump in. Oh, what's the question for me? I didn't know if it was for me or her first. I'm sorry. Um, I was just saying I in, in general for not... men that, that are trying to help a situation where, unfortunately, the sister that they're trying to help could be their own. Let's say it's like their own sister. Uh, they, they, their brother, he's upset that this man is touching his sister, but she's going back even when he tries to address it because, you know, in our community, we're not always wanting to get the, the, the law enforcement involved for a bunch of reasons. Uh, you know, I, I always talk about that our sisters are so protective of us that quite often they they forego calling the police because of concern about us going, even though they're being abused. I've seen, you know, I've seen that happen per se. But, if a, you know, if I'm a brother and I want to protect my sister, but she's going back, that's a dilemma for a lot of men. So what are y'all thoughts? You know, a man who wants to protect, but she's not in a position or decision to actually leave, even though she wants this moment handled, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, um, so I think the thing is just constantly letting people know that you're there. You know what I mean? Um, You know, and just being able to be extremely, like with me, I'm very transparent. That's why my my plays are the way they are. I'm very transparent. When a girl tells me that I'm working with and she's in a home, for instance, a girl told me last week, she was like, okay, I think I want to go back to him. And I said, okay, well, this time he'll kill your daughter or your son. How about that? And the reason that I say that is to give them the reality. And I think that's what you should absolutely do. Tell them you love them, I'm with you, but you give them the reality. 
because when they go back, that's not on you. So, yeah, I told her, okay, well, next time he'll just, when he's done torturing you, he'll torture your kids. And it made her think. And, I mean, you know, because they do have those vulnerable times. So I think as a brother or uncle that or someone that's getting involved, because like your friend, I was her. I knew not to tell my people. I, I got I got goons in my family. So I already knew. I was like, if I tell them, oh, it's a wrap. So I knew not to. But for the brother or the uncle that knows and knows the situation, number one, I would not get involved if she keeps going back. Don't get involved physically, but make sure she knows I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave you. You always got my number. I don't care if you go back 50 times, you can call me, and I'll come and get you. And another thing is is to be so transparent and let them know, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If you go back, you may not make it out alive. You may not. If you go back, your niece, your, your daughter may end up dead. Your, your your son may end up dead. And being transparent and making sure you're you're still supportive. And I know it is hard because even with me just working with these girls and I have no family attachment to them, but it breaks my heart when they think that they want to go back. So I know as even an advocate how hard it is. I couldn't imagine how hard it is for a relative. But do not shut the door out on that person. Do not tell that person they can't keep coming to your house every time they leave. Do not tell them you're sick of them going back. Don't. Be transparent, but always be supportive. That's my advice. Absolutely. I would say it's definitely important to to know that, you know, you have that, that resource, you know, that person. Um, so I, I agree, you know, with, you know, your statement, Lawanda. You know, we have to make ourselves available, you know, for those conversations. Um, you know, I understand, you know, sometimes you don't want to, they may not want to speak, um, you know, um, in detail, but just knowing that, you know, there's someone available to speak with is, is key. So, Wanda, again, you are very transparent about your situation, um, Amber. Um, don't, in a sense, know your past in relation to this type of discussion. But is there a sense of having the experience and feeling unprotected? As you said, you knew who not to share it with, but rationally, mentally, is there still this idea of not feeling protected? Uh, you know, like, does it go hand in hand? And I'm asking this question from the standpoint of when we listen to that one abuser who says, I grew up, I knew it was wrong, but then I still grew up to do it again. And so I'm, again, just this is mental dialogue, so going in depth about the discussion from a, a, a cultural or collective standpoint, is it possible that that sentiment exists without paying attention to have I made it known to my protectors? Because I know for a fact there are men who are perpetrators and, in fact, are not, are not protectors. But the majority of men are in our own community. I don't think that's the sentiment currently in this gender war that plays a role into domestic violence exists because, quote, unquote, men let it happen. I think it's how 
the narrative is written. I think we went deeper than that today, but I wanted, again, to bring it up and get, you know, in a sense, those thoughts. So just to clarify what I'm saying or asking the one is just simply the idea of even when you were hiding it, was there a sense of I don't feel protected? Even though, again, you got men in your family that would protect you, but you still feel that. No, I didn't. I knew mm-hmm. um, the only person that I knew that wouldn't protect me was my brother. I didn't think my brother would care because we had a tarnished relationship. So I just, I didn't see him caring. But like my uncles and my cousins, I knew for a fact. And the reason that I didn't tell them because I knew that they probably would go to prison. Um, you know, I like truth, truth be told, I knew that if I told them any of the details, um, yeah, they, they probably, they probably would have went to prison. Um, but I didn't feel that I wasn't protected um, in the outside. I felt like I wasn't protected by him. And in a strange way, I felt like he loved me, but he didn't know how to express love. Um, Because even after, like, years later, he was like, I loved you the most I ever loved anybody else. I'm like, geez. Um, It goes back to that seed I was saying, right? It goes back to the concept of what we think love is. Right? Right? Like, like so that was love for him. We have to be educated Mm -hmm. on that. Because love is an ownership. You know what I mean? Love at doesn't all. mean you own it. It isn't at all. Love means that you, you, you want me to grow to be whatever I was created to be. That's love. Um, you know, the, love isn't about the emotion of love. Love is about being there and allowing that person to grow and be the best that they can, act, that they can be. And so um, did I feel unprotected um, by, like, Man, no. I felt like I just chose the wrong man to protect me. Any thoughts on that, Amber? Because, again, that's an ongoing conversation for, you know, any type of violence. It ain't always domestic violence. And with because unfortunately with the Internet, we see every damn thing, right? And so as much as I avoid <laughs> these videos, we, we see scenarios where it, even, it, it, it could be, and, again, this is almost a different topic, but, again, this is an example of, our queens, in a sense, saying uh, some queens are feeling like they're not protected, but it can't, in a sense, it can't even be random men that they're not necessarily fully in a relationship who have who have learned these destructive ways and how to mishandle women and have, have never been taught properly, you know, in a sense, you know, how to do so. But, but what I've always said to sisters, again, not pushing back because I'm such a, a protector, but it's just something that's, that's hardly, hardly ever looked at, which is, even in families where these things are go on and it's somewhat known about, I've seen families, especially in the South where there's large families, I've seen families go out of their way to make sure the protectors don't find out, like, in, within the family. Like, uh, some men that are not protectors that know about the situation, but I'm talking about when I say to go out of their way, I'm talking about the men and the women go out of their way to make sure that that patriarch of that family does not know about this domestic violence situation because everybody's saying this breadwinner, this provider, this protector will go to jail because that's who he is. And within our community, we'll talk about dysfunctionally the lack of protection, whereas we're not, did not, a lot of people are not doing what you talked about, the one where you were able to make that distinction. Again, just any thoughts on it because, again, I think this is part of this conversation. I hope I'm making sense and I hope I'm not harping on it too much. 
I just think that, I mean, it's just like a lot of, you know, taboo topics, families. Um, I mean, a lot of, it's not just a, I mean, it's not just domestic violence. I mean, it could be, you know, um, molestation and things of that nature that, you know, we do. We have this natural uh, desire to keep it from certain individuals. Um, And I think that, you know, we have to address those issues, um, and it speaks to that accountability piece that I was talking mentioning at the beginning of the the show is just let's just hold each other accountable. You know? Yeah, it so sounds let's, good. Let's try but, to you know, have that I, conversation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, it sounds good. You know what I mean? But I don't watch in those same families, even the, the, the women are willing to not tell the guy who will hold that guy accountable. Like that's how far we've gone with the shame, and we've allowed shame to allow a lot of things going on in our community in addition, as you said, to domestic violence. Um, I came across this, and I wanted to just share it to you all again, and this is just a thought about thinking about how to improve it for the next generation. As I mentioned, the idea of even teaching your children, like taking, making the effort to say to your children, you know, love does not mean possession, because I already kind of broke down from an infant why you can think and believe love and possession go together. Uh, it's, it's, it's a natural thing, so it's something that we should teach. Um, and anytime I'm preparing for the show, some things just pop up as I'm preparing for the show. This literally popped up 20 minutes before I was coming on to the show. I hadn't intended to share this, uh, but it, it came up, and it's just a quick thought. Again, because as I mentioned, um, you know, men are the bigger perpetrators of this, you know, for those that it is happening to. And here's a, a small thought that I absolutely think relates, and it simply was. My teenager nephew told me he asked a girl out, and she turned him down. I said, you know what you, you know what to do now, right? He said, I know, I know. Keep trying. And I said, no, leave her alone. She gave you an answer. He was shocked. No one had told him that before. Teach your boys. Yes. Um, for me, that simply means... Um, Or rejection. It's okay. Um, whether, you know, that's, you know, the significant other saying, well, you know, no, I don't like this, or, you know, no, I don't like that. It's, you do have to be able to take that rejection, so to speak, um, and deal with it accordingly and not in a way that. Um, where you feel, you know, violated or how dare you when you're my person, you know, it it speaks to that whole possession piece. It's okay for, you know, that person to say no. Um, So, you know, that's pretty much what I get from that clip. Um, Yeah, LaWanda, again, again, something I just happened to come across. I have a personal story to tell about this cut so I had to bring it to the table but just hearing that is this cut says teach not cut but this comment says teach your boys and the point that stood out for me the most was no one had told him that before and I'm telling you 
we can, as men, go our whole lives and never hear something as simple as that. And so I'm just kind of going all the way back to where the start of some of these issues can start, and we never think about how to address them from the start. That's what's coming out of that for me. But go ahead, Lawanda. Any thoughts on, on, again, I have a personal story I want to tell you about this, but I want to hear your thoughts on it before I tell you that story. Yes, absolutely. Again, this is why I said the Black Debonair was so important to do and to have because the first year we wanted to definitely concentrate on honoring black men, but the second year we wanted to start bringing in young boys um, from high schools, middle schools, um, that can come in and sit at these events for this reason because they have to be able to be told at a young age what is love? This is how love is. This is what love is about. I remember writing a poem for my son a couple of years ago, and the poem was called I Apologize. And I was apologizing to my son in the poem because I had this thing about I needed to stay single. I couldn't bring men around the kids because I always was, I didn't want the kids to I wanted my girls to be able to walk around in their shorts and their pajamas and feel comfortable, but I forgot until I started writing this poem to my son that I didn't even allow him to be taught what a man was supposed to be. And that, not just a hard worker, but how a man was supposed to love a woman. And I, and I remember just writing the poem and saying, I apologize because I never allowed a man to come over, so how would you even know what how a woman is supposed to be treated. If I never taught you that, I never took that time to teach you. So I'm saying all this to say that it starts at a very young age. You have to start teaching your boys at a very young age. This is how love is supposed to be. Do you argue? Yes. I mean, we're not going to lie about it, right? But do a man put his hands on a woman? No. Um, and then vice versa with the girls, you have to teach them at a at an early age. This is what love is. This is what love isn't because you're their best teacher. So I do believe that that should be taught, and I believe that was the importance and the thought process for the Black Debonairs is so that we can start getting these young boys in there and we can start giving no, them sense. this information. Let me do this, Queen. Need. I got to jump in on you because we got a little a little over a minute. So at this point. Tell people about your event, Feet of Clay, on October the 24th, how they can get in contact, how they can take part, what it entails. you got to do it in a minute, so hopefully you can pull that off, Queen. Go ahead. <laughs> October 24th, um, we have a domestic violence awareness event. Please follow me on Facebook, LaWanda Jordan, or Feet of Clay 2020 at gmail.com. The tickets are $25 if you are with a couple of 25 is $50 together. Um, and we are serving dinner. We will have a live play. We will have, um, we're honoring survivors that have been through my program and girls that I have worked with. Um, and we're just honoring some officers from the Cobb County Police Department that's in the domestic violence unit. So check us out if you want to buy tickets. It is Cash App Heaven2383. Um, check us out. If you need more information, 678-789-9429, 678-789-9429. Thank you so much, Montoya, for always um, dedicating a show to the events that we have. I appreciate it. 
No, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Amber. You were great. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. <laughs>